For companies to succeed today, they need builders, and builders need tools that allow them to innovate. The problem is most cloud vendors don't offer the range of tools builders are looking for. Amazon Web Services is a leading cloud service provider giving builders the reliability and security they need. AWS pioneered cloud computing over 10 years ago to help any business from the small startups to the biggest global enterprises create their own applications and manage their workloads. By listening to what customers want, AWS is adding more features and services than any other cloud provider while consistently reducing prices. So if you'd rather focus on creating a business instead of an infrastructure, check out podcast.aws. Learn how AWS can help you build a better future today and let builders build. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the world's leading archivist of LOL cats, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair, I have Brewster Kale, uh, and I'm thrilled to have him. I've known him for so long, uh, since the beginnings of the internets. He's an entrepreneur, an activist, and the founder of the Internet Archive, which just turned 20. In 1996, he also co-founded Alexa Internet, which was sold to Amazon in 1999, way before we all started saying Alexa every day. And if that wasn't enough, he's also a member of the Internet Hall of Fame. Brewster, welcome to Recode Decode. Great to be here. But we have known each other before yeah, that. Explain it. Like, let's talk about where we met. We met at AOL when you sold your company to AOL. Yeah, that was the early Give days. Give people some real history here, because, you know, these young people, they don't know anything. Right? <laughs> well, one of the ideas of this Internet was to try to build the library of everything. Mm-hmm. Could we do that? Mm-hmm. And just, OK, yeah, we actually could technically, but there's a bunch of pieces missing. One, mm-hmm. we had to get publishing online. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, a bunch of us worked on that before there was the World Wide Web. And right. Where You had come from where? You come from? I, I started a company called Thinking Machines, right. which was our help start a company. It was a supercomputer company, and we uh, made it so that we could build computers that could search, well, everything. Right. And so we did that, and then there was this, we found that we needed something to distribute it over, so there was this ARPANET idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we basically put the first search engines on the Internet. Mm-hmm. It's called Waze, Wide Area Waze. Information Service. That's right. It was the first publishing system. Wide Area Information Services. That's a, that sure trips off your tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, never name your thing an acronym. Um, but it it was uh, the idea was to make everyone into a publisher, mm-hmm. and this was kind of a radical idea in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came along, and it came before Gopher and before the World Wide Web. And right, but the web uh, being open and really easy also to publish into. Uh, made it so that the search and publishing all sort of merged into the World Wide Web. And I helped put a bunch of folks online, like right. uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Encyclopedia mm-hmm. Britannica, to try to anchor the open world. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a closed uh, world, kind of like, well, what AOL was doing. Right. or Which you Microsoft. sold your company to. Yes. And uh, there was the So idea. you started Waze and, and the concept, did you have venture capital funding for no. that? No. You just started. Yeah. Bootstrap startup. Mm-hmm. In those days, it was, you know, venture capital was, was uh, not directed uh, that right. well. Right. And so you started this, you were living where? Um, Boston. And then Boston. I moved out to, to San Francisco because the thought was that San Francisco was going to be where the internet was going to happen. Right. Right. So in 1989, I moved out, did a project with Apple, KPMG, Pete Marwick, Dow Jones, mm-hmm. and Thinking Machines to go and build a system so you could turn to your computer mm-hmm. to ask questions. Mm-hmm. This was kind yeah, of a I radical remember. idea. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you could then ask that of databases that were very far away. Right. And without technical people between you and the information. Yes. You would right. just ask Natural mm-hmm. language questions. Why was that such a big deal? Because it really now it's like breathing essentially. What, what was the? What did it take to make that leap of cognitive leap for people like you? Um, it, it required thinking that computers were going to be smart, mm-hmm. that they were going to be able to interact on our terms. Mm-hmm. Also, that we were going to have these computers that weren't just going to be lashed to the mainframe in your mm-hmm. company. That they were going to reach out mm-hmm. onto the network. So that was something we could see coming because of my background at MIT mm-hmm. and ARPANET and the, and the like. The next thing was to make 
ask questions of multiple places at once. Mm -hmm. And um, so you could ask questions of lots of places. Because the answers, answers were out back. there. The answers were out there. And that we hadn't seen basically put back after Waze basically lost out to the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. We ended up going to centralized places like Google or AltaVista or, mm -hmm. or Go or something. But before we get to that, so you, you started um, Waze, you sold it to AOL, and what, the hope was that you create an internet, Correct. Yes. Like that was the idea. Um, the, the wonderful thing about AOL at that mm -hmm. time is they had a business model that paid authors. Mm -hmm. They took 15% of the money that they got paid by subscribers mm -hmm. and put it upstream in a royalty system. Right. And I like the royalty system rather than ads. Because they brought, they brought people into the service and made it interesting, and therefore they owed them money. Yes. That was the idea. That was the idea. Mm -hmm. And it's how books worked. Mm -hmm. But it's not how magazines and TV work. Mm -hmm. They worked with t with ads. And I didn't like ads. Right. I don't think it's a winner-takes-all system. Mm -hmm. It makes for monopolies. Mm -hmm. um, but you can have, in a royalty-based system, you can have a distributed system of lots of different authors, lots of different uh, venues for getting things out mm -hmm. there. There's no necessary... Uh, contraction point. So you sold it to AOL and you were going to, when you just said very quickly, but it's a big deal, you lost out to the internet. What does that mean? Um, the Waze lost out to the web. Mm -hmm. So Waze was an open system for going and doing mm -hmm. client server uh, right. interactions over the over the internet. Um, and the web was just better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was easier to, uh, to play with, mm -hmm. but it, it had some failings to it, but the wonder of it is it works so well and it's right. so easy to, to use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially when they had the browser and then the the, yes. the, the linking. So Mosaic, which was mm -hmm. the first sort mm -hmm. of modern web browser before mm -hmm. Netscape, mm -hmm. um, Mosaic was called Mosaic because it was made up of the web, Waze, Gopher, and FTP. Right. So there were these different systems at that time until sort of the the dominant one sort of won out, which is uh, which was the World Wide Web. So what did you think when that was happening? So you had this company, you sold it to AOL, you worked there for a short time. Yes. Um, well, AOL changed track. Mm -hmm. um, instead of going and thinking, well, how do we go and reimburse and, and uh, encourage uh, authors and, and publishers, they said maybe they should charge for right. getting for people to get Access. to their eyeballs. If right. you remember those terrible days, mm -hmm. let's talk about eyeballs, eyeballs. and sticky eyeballs, right? Well, we didn't really <laughs> want to sticky eyeballs. Um, it was a particularly dark period of, of internet <laughs> development. And, and it really turned to being an ad-based system. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I knew that that wasn't really uh, the place right. to be. So I left to go. It was sort and, of mafioso-like too, in a lot of ways, like shake them down. Well, it, it didn't have to be that way. No, it didn't. I, th I think I, AOL was, was dealing with a hyper growth mm -hmm. at that point, and they right. were just trying to keep the thing together mm -hmm. at all. Um, so that so we got publishing online by around 1994, mm -hmm. 1995. That, so that for me, that phase was going well. Mm -hmm. So I could go back to the real dream of building the library of everything. Right, right. Where did you come up with that dream? Just the idea that you, you Alexandria is where Alexa yeah. came from. Yes, Alexa, the name now, Alexa is named after the Library of Alexandria. Right. So it was meant to be the, um, that was 1980. I'm sort of the last phase of the, uh, of the, the optimistic ut utopian 60s thing. Mm -hmm. um, 1980, walking back and forth, trying to, f across the Charles River, trying to figure out how do you, use technology to build something really pretty great. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, of putting everything online and making a library of everything mm -hmm. was actually promised for a long time. Right. Oh, we're going to have the Library of Congress on our mm -hmm. desk or everything. something like that. Right. So I said, how hard could that be? Mm -hmm. So I joined the AI lab at MIT um, to, to develop chips mm -hmm. um, so we could build this. And Danny Hillis had an idea of how to build a supercomputer built that could actually scale to the size of the that. library of everything. But the idea is the library of Alexandria was destroyed and all knowledge previous, it had all the knowledge of the previous world in it. Uh, yes. So mm -hmm. the library of Alexandria 300 Allegedly. BC is best known for not being here anymore. Right. right? It, that is just completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. If they'd made another copy and put it into <laughs> China and made it or into India, we'd have the other works of Aristotle, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. other plays of and Euripides. And destroyed in a fire. Not just one. It really wasn't a fire. Mm -hmm. It was well, the, that's the legend. Um, Sorry. Yeah, that's kind of the myth. Mm -hmm. um, it basically decayed because people didn't want universal knowledge anymore. Mm -hmm. There were alternative ideas with the, basically it was the Christians that mm -hmm. basically went and said, well, you know, this is the uh, the, the way of, the, of truth. Mm -hmm. And um, 
There's a wonderful movie called Agora, mm-hmm. uh, sort of about late stage uh, Library of Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of shows sort of, you know, times change. Right. Um, and the idea of having a, a universal access was a Greek ideal, mm-hmm. not not what we had for the Middle Ages. So your concept here was the same thing. It's universal knowledge of everything, everywhere. Yes. Huge idea. It's a huge idea, but it's it's actually coming about. In fact, mm-hmm. if you ask most people, they think, isn't it all there now? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that what Google is? Mm-hmm. Um, don't, haven't they digitized all the books? And the answer mm-hmm. is no, mm-hmm. we haven't. Right. Um, but that's we're starting to get people excited mm-hmm. um, that you can turn to your qu- machine and not just ask questions and have it be kind of, you know, mm-hmm. based on Wikipedia, but based on the depth of all of the libraries and all of what's right. been done. So let's talk first about what happened to you. You went, you did Alexa mm-hmm. uh, and sold it to Amazon. What was yes. the thinking behind Alexa, Alexa which is now Inter- the Echo and Alexa device? Well, they use the name for that. Yeah. Um, Alexa Internet uh, still exists as a company that uh, was to try to catalog the web. Mm-hmm. So it archived the whole web. And it um, it's used, trying to be a competitor to Google at the time, as I recall. It wasn't a search engine. It mm-hmm. it answered questions, questions in a different right. way. Right. Well, it was trying to a it was, new way to do it. It was a new way. Um, it was based on how people moved through the net. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out that the search engine guys actually scaled much better than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. So Alexa Internet is now used mostly as sort of a metrics company mm-hmm. um, or or helping people debug their. But it was bought by Amazon in 1999, mm-hmm. and. Um, well, we did something interesting. We started a nonprofit at exactly the same day. Right. And um, there's a contract buried in the soul of Alexa Internet to mm-hmm. donate a copy of everything it collects mm-hmm. to the Internet Archive with a six-month time delay. Mm-hmm. And when the acquisition was going through, uh, or actually Jeff Bezos said, why don't we buy this? I was like, eh, I tried that with AOL. Didn't work out all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we – he said, well, how do we make this work? I said, well – Let's run it as a separate company. Mm-hmm. And he was true to that. So mm-hmm. now 17 years later, it's still run as a separate company. Mm-hmm. And I said that there's also, there's this funny thing. It's a contract to donate everything to a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, six months, well, that's, I'm not sure about the time, but that I'm okay with that. And mm-hmm. he's been true to that. Mm-hmm. So every day, Alexa Internet donates a copy of the web collection that it's been building mm-hmm. forever um, to the Internet Archive. Mm-hmm. So, and- in 2002, um, no, yes, 2002, I moved to the Internet Archive, mm-hmm. and the idea was to try to build the library for real. To, to build the library itself of everything for real. Yes. And so when you're, we're going to talk about that in, in the next section, but so the, the, the thing that you had been working on forever was everything. So what I want to do is just get, before we break, what it, Everything? What do you mean by everything? Everything ever published by humankind. So mm-hmm. if you take all of the books, mm-hmm. all the music, all the video, all the web pages, all the software, and if you count it up, it actually turns out to be quite manageable. Mm-hmm. The Library of Congress is the largest library by far. It's got mm-hmm. about 28 million books. Mm-hmm. A book is about a megabyte. Right. 28 million megabytes is 28 terabytes. Mm-hmm. Well, that fits on four hard drives. You can buy at Best Buy for less than a month's rent. Mm -hmm. So at least storing it, Mm -hmm. if you had it in sort of Word, in Microsoft Word form, is, you know, completely manageable by Mm -hmm. current computer days. Sure. We knew this was coming. They're in paper. So we have to go and photograph them, get the words out of them, Mm -hmm. OCR them, and then also work with the copyright issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to talk about that and more when we get back with Brewster Kale, who created the Internet Archive, which is the archive of everything. And we'll talk about what that means going forward. The show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high quality ingredients make a real difference. So it's important to know where your food comes from. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. Beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals. And their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals like cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. That sounds delicious. Or this one, roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. That also sounds delicious. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash decode. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash decode, 
Blue Apron, A Better Way to Cook. We're here with Brewster Kale of the Internet Archives. He's also a longtime entrepreneur and worked in lots of different companies, created them, sold one to AOL, one to Amazon. Um, and But since then, for the last 20 years, he's been working on the Internet Archive, and it's the chronicle of everything, the digital chronicle of everything, correct? Mm-hmm. So talk about the, what's happened in the 20 years and how much have you saved there and what your goals are going forward. So we started by archiving the World Wide Web, the right. most ephemeral of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, a web page lasts about 100 days before it's either changed or deleted. That's mm-hmm. the average life of a web page. So web, the web is not a reliable structure. So mm-hmm. we said, okay, why don't we just archive it? Mm-hmm. And we made this thing called the Wayback Machine. It's right. free. Mm-hmm. You can go to archive.org I have done it many and times. type in a URL. Oh, and there's a new feature that we <laughs> came out with just mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You can search it. So you can oh. go and search. You can click on the, if you go to archive.org, go to the mm-hmm. Wayback Machine page. It, it's um, It'll be, so everybody does it, but uh, you have to click now to go and say search. And then you can say, for instance, Trump for president. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you, you can get to see the 19, 2008 mm-hmm. Trump uh, website, mm-hmm. even though it's been offline since 2007, right. or the 2012 presidential Trump website mm-hmm. um, also pops up, or Hillary Clinton's um, uh, her when she was in the Senate. Mm-hmm. So you can search to find the websites that you're right. looking for and then find your way into it. You, you can't find a page mm-hmm. with the search engine. We're not that but good. But then you're there. Um, we're, we get to the website. Right. So there's the Wayback Machine that, we, that we've that we been building and it's been growing at about a half a billion pages every week. Wow. So it is huge. We work with the Library of Congress. About, mm-hmm. There are about a thousand librarians that help curate the collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, a record of our time. And why? Why do you want to keep this? Um, why do we have an old Hillary Clinton's for Senate page? If we allow those that control the present to control the past, mm-hmm. then they control the future. Mm-hmm. That's George Orwell. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to know what came before. And because the web flips on and off, actually most of the best of the web is already off the web. Mm-hmm. So um, whole newspapers go away. Actually, mm-hmm. countries blink on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we want to know um, what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right. it's often the only record. We're, now we're trying to get it so it's woven back into the web. Mm-hmm. So we've gone through, there's a robot that mm-hmm. some volunteers made to go on all of the Wikipedia outbound links mm-hmm. that, are, that now are broken. Mm-hmm. They, if they're in the Wayback Machine, they're fixed. I see. So there are now one million links in way in the Wikipedia that now are you can good get again. To. Right, right. And so, and it resides where? Speaking of making copies in India and China, where does it all reside? And how big is it at this point? The Wayback Machine, um, or sort of the, all of the uh, Internet Archive, actually lives in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a copy in San Francisco. We bought a church mm-hmm. um, and converted a church into our and um, made it into a library. Um, and there's a copy also in Richmond, California, a partial copy in Alexandria, Egypt, mm-hmm. really at the new library of Alexandria, mm-hmm. and a partial copy in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to have multiple copies in multiple places. Uh, constantly updated. Constant, uh, we do pretty well with, with, with most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to now expand it further. I mean, mm-hmm. with the uh, change in administration, it really sort of is a wake-up call mm-hmm. to go and say, gosh, it's really time to make sure that there are copies in other places. So we're working with others to, to, mm-hmm. to make this happen. And what do you expect people to do with that information, the Internet Archive, just to uh, have it? Um, just we have a digital footprint of ourselves. Oh, let's weave it into society so mm-hmm. that basically you have a, it's as easy to search the uh, library as it is to search the current web. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. Um, so we get about three to four million users every day. Right. We're about the 300th most popular website, mm-hmm. according to Alexa Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, popular. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want older materials. Mm-hmm. And what do you think are the most important materials? Are there any or is it just what people want? Like just what people request or are there critical things that you think need to stay Current. What, what we try to do is if people saw it before, they can see it again. Because mm-hmm. if you just if you can't refer back to things, if you can't quote mm-hmm. what happened before, then you can't do compare and contrast. And right. as kid as uh, I've got kids in college, that's what thinking critically is. Right. So you have to be able to quote what happened 
compare and contrast. And there's certain things like the web that could just be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Then you'd have no way of being able to refer to it. We're going to talk about that later. Sort of the, it's interesting. I was just talking about someone, the people can still lie about it and continue to do so even with those examples on the web, which is interesting. I mean, Donald Trump yesterday literally told three Twitter lies that were easily provable. And it was fascinating. And, Uh, And I literally got in an argument. They're like, well, it's a he said, she said. I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Here it is. Right. And so um, uh, that brings me to another collection. Mm-hmm. We started collecting television mm-hmm. in the year 2000. Right. Because nobody else was doing it Good at idea. scale. Mm-hmm. So we were Google had started to do that. Did they? Yeah. They had a secret room of televisions I, uh, I visited once. They were recording everything. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. we, this is the only one that's sort mm-hmm. of at this scale. We, we've mm-hmm. been recording 60 channels, 24 mm-hmm. hours a day from 25 countries. Right. And- Um, around this election, Mm -hmm. we went and recorded four channels Mm -hmm. from each of 20 battleground areas. Wow. And the idea was to then find all of the political ads Mm -hmm. and then say, when did they run? How often did they run? Mm -hmm. And expose them to fact checkers like PolitiFact Mm -hmm. that then went and did fact checking. And we made this available to journalists, mostly Mm -hmm. or bloggers, to Mm -hmm. uh, to really understand. That's Mm -hmm. politicaladarchive.org. We even went further than that. Mm -hmm. Um, We took the debates Mm -hmm. and um, did audio fingerprinting Mm -hmm. on it Mm -hmm. and found where did quotes from that appear in other stations post Ah, debate. So what popped? Um, What popped and for whom? Mm -hmm. So what popped for Fox News was completely different than what popped for MSNBC. Mm -hmm. What you see out of this is what we know anecdotally, that people live in very cloistered separate universes mm-hmm. that are little echo chambers within themselves so that they're, they don't even see the world the same way. Mm-hmm. The world, if they put on glasses, media glasses, they see a completely different universe. So how do you solve that by collecting everything? Because if, even if you're collecting it, it's right in front of people. They don't want to believe it. Some, some may, some, you know, all we can do is, to, is to collect it so and make it easily available. available. So What's see. What's exciting to me is not only can we now see that there are these separate worlds, Mm -hmm. but also we could see across universes. We can Mm -hmm. see across these uh, collections. And hopefully we start to build mechanisms for those that want to be elucidated. Mm -hmm. But everybody says they do, but often they just want their biases reconfirmed. But for those that want to be able to see the broader picture, Mm -hmm. let's make it easy to. Mm -hmm. Because right now, if you have time-based media... Like even this podcast, away. it just sort of flows over. Right. Um, but how do you go Twitter's and make a it a referenceable, right. um, easy resource? How do we turn media into data? So you do the web, you're doing television, mm-hmm. you're doing books, which yes. is hard, correct? Still as hard as ever to do books? Uh, it's a pain in the neck. We do about a thousand books every day. How many books are there in the world? Um, 28 million is the um, Library of Congress, mm-hmm. maybe a hundred million total. But if you take a uh, a Yale, a Princeton, or a Boston public library, it's about mm-hmm. 10 million. Mm-hmm. We've digitized 2.5 million books. Mm-hmm. Um, you see um, Google what, has Google as has. well, yeah. um, but they're locked up. Right. So they locked up the public domain, which mm-hmm. we think of as a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, um, and the library sort of made elite services sort of around it just for themselves. Mm-hmm. We would like this to be available to everybody. Right. These are things that are out of copyright, all the books that are. Um, most of them are out of copyright, but we've also digitized 600,000 in copyright what, what machine. Is, what are the issues now? You know, Google got into trouble over that, over yeah. what they were doing, largely because they were doing it for their own benefit. Um, how do you, do you imagine you will be able to have all the copyrighted books? And where are we in the copyright law? Uh, we're doing very well. So um, in uh, starting in 2010, so six years ago, we started digitizing at scale in copyright, non-rights cleared books, basically all of it. Mm-hmm. Made it available to the blind and dyslexic mm-hmm. um, because you could and you should. So we did. Um, and we're also uh, making it available via lending. Mm-hmm. So if you go to openlibrary.org, this mm-hmm. is fun. I, I, I hope I mm-hmm. hope that you do. Go to openlibrary.org mm-hmm. and go to the little uh, carousel of borrowable books. You can check out a book and then you're the only one that can read it until you either return it or two weeks later. Mm-hmm. And this is emulating basically the restrictions of a library. It's just mm-hmm. a library. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing this and it's been working out great. Oh, I see. So, and it's there. so you have copyrighted material available. Libraries only, most of what's in a library yeah, is copyrighted materials. Right. And we've always worked with publishers. What we do is buy mm-hmm. and lend. Right. So we buy what we can in books. We mm-hmm. buy what we can 
and then we scan what we have to. Right. And right now, actually in books, if we're trying to buy books the way we used to buy books, but Mm -hmm. you're trying to buy them in e-form, they put funny restrictions on them. Mm -hmm. So we hope they ease up kind of like the music guys did. Where are books going? From your perspective, your wife runs a, a, a book binding. And yes, the San Francisco printing. Center for the Book, where mm-hmm. they people make books. books with lead and yeah. you know with sewing and, and all of this. I books play a very special role in our society. Mm-hmm. It's it's the long form way of expressing an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just an interview. It's not just a speech. Right. It's a long form discourse. Um, we want to see that continue. So the long form narrative, but whether it's actually going to be on dead trees or on electronics or both or is, um, I don't really care mm-hmm. as long as we have ways of expressing these long form ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, some people don't really need to be paid because they're paid by the academics mm-hmm. or whatever, but others do want to get paid. So we need a mechanism of paying people. Mm-hmm. So buying what we can in the ebook world so that they are owned by libraries, three to $4 billion from libraries go to authors and publishers. Mm-hmm. Let's keep that going. Mm-hmm. But right now it's stumbling. It is absolutely. So we've got books, video, so video, the way we've been doing video is people can upload to the archive.org. Right, this is non-TV video, yeah. Yeah, so if you go to archive.org, there's an upload button, mm-hmm. and thousands of people a day upload things. We also archive um, the popular things on YouTube. Uh-huh. So if they're referred to on Twitter, mm-hmm. then we archive the YouTube I videos. See. And what about all of social media? You're not archiving that. We're, you know, Twitter. the social media is, they, they make it difficult for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um Facebook makes it the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter is pretty easy, but we're not at scale. Mm-hmm. So around the election, we made sure that we had the, all of the election-related tweets that we could, mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of millions of why them. Are, why do they make it difficult? I think because they own these platforms and they want to own and control what mm-hmm. uh, what happens. But where does it go? It just goes flows. into their databases. Um, to uh, Twitter... Mm-hmm. credit uh, when Alex McGilvery was there, mm-hmm. he arranged that the copy went to the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that much has happened with that yet, but at least it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we'd like to see more archive aware organizations like Alexa that mm-hmm. donated a copy as right. time went on. Right. We'd like to see that happen more. So that they are chronicling what has happened. Yes. So they're searchable. Although there's privacy issues because a lot of it's personal. Yes. Not not Twitter. That would be more public, correct? Um, in general, the public materials, but you still have to have mechanisms of redaction. Right. So that's how we, we do that with uh, robot exclusions but where with, people complain. with all the stuff going on, it's all going on on social media now. A lot of the information. A lot of it's there. And right. so uh, we're trying to adapt as best we can mm-hmm. to these platforms. And that's a big shift of how the right. the internet, we thought it was going to be a very easy thing. Uh, yeah. Easy, yeah. democratic, yeah, anybody could go and be a player. Mm-hmm. But now we, we have these large platforms that really control our lives. And what about uh, Snapchat and things like that? Well, Snapchat, you know, goes away. Right. Um, so I, I would say Instagram is more of the mm-hmm. sort of meant to be uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, Which you don't have access to, correct? It's tricky. Mm-hmm. We, um, we we get what we can. How do you get that? Um, by writing special crawlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those, the librarians, we have about a thousand librarians that subscribe to archiveit.org. Mm-hmm. And they go and tell us what should be archived to mm-hmm. be put in particular collections. But things get missed then. Things get missed. So we have robots to try to sweep everything up that we can mm-hmm. or things that are linked to. Mm-hmm. So we only have the parts of Flickr that mm-hmm. people link to, for right. instance. Um, and but, the, uh, but things do get missed. What should happen then? Should these companies just say, we're going to preserve this forever in a nonprofit place or not? They, I would I don't hope that they would donate it. things to the Internet Archive. I or, don't see or, them doing it at all. Uh, it hasn't been hap- happening much. How do you go to them when you do you go to Mark Zuckerberg and say you have the history of the world here, uh, or the current world? Uh, those conversations have happened, not with Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Love to, um, mm-hmm. but um, some say, yeah, we can do this or we can't do this, or they mm-hmm. say it's legal issues or proprietary issues. Uh, it's it's a sort of a collision between culture and capitalism, mm-hmm. and who wins there. Uh, right now, I'd say capitalism is, work, <laughs> is, uh, is winning, and it always has. Um, so we have to adapt to as much mm-hmm. as we can. What else do you think you need to preserve VR as we start to move? 
VR, 3D scans. But actually, we have to do a better job of preserving the web. And mm -hmm. the web was not designed to be preserved. Mm -hmm. So we've been working um, with sort of very forward-thinking people on building a decentralized web. Oh, explain that first. So, okay, so here's here's the it's problem with the web. It's super geeky. Oh, but this is so cool. It's so okay. cool. It's worth it. Um, the internet is decentralized in the mm -hmm. sense that you can kind of nuke any part of it and still works. Mm -hmm. right? That was its original design. Mm -hmm. um, but the World Wide Web isn't that way. You go knock out a particular piece of hardware, it goes away. So can we make a reliable web that's served from many different places? Kind mm -hmm. of like how the Amazon cloud works, mm -hmm. but for everybody. Right. Um, and the answer is yes, you can. So you can make kind of a peer-to-peer -peer distribution structure such that the web becomes reliable. Another is we can make it private so that it, there's reader privacy. Edward Snowden has uh, brought to light mm -hmm. some really uh, uh, difficult architectural problems mm -hmm. of the current World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. um, the GCHQ, the um, the secret service of the mm -hmm. British, um, watched everybody using WikiLeaks mm -hmm. and then offered all of those um, IP addresses, which are personally identifiable in large part, to the NSA. Mm -hmm. And the NSA had conversations about using that as a means to go and say- Monitor people. To monitor people at an enhanced level, that right. those are now suspects. Right. Libraries have long had history with people being rounded up for what they've read mm -hmm. and bad things happening to them. Right. So we have a, a, an interest in trying to make it so that there's reader privacy. So if we can be build a decentralized web- They couldn't find you. That can't, basically doesn't track all the readers. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we were growing up, when you could mm -hmm. read a book and nobody knew you were reading that book unless mm -hmm. somebody saw you reading that book. Right. Um, it's not part of government databases and, right. and corporate databases that you're reading that book. Um, and can we make it reliable? And the, so the decentralized web is still in formation, mm -hmm. but it's uh, a mechanism that makes it so that the web also would be archivable such that the actual working natures of websites, mm -hmm. not just what they looked like, but how they worked, could be kept alive as people retire, mm -hmm. die, uh, want to work on a different project. All right. That's fascinating. We're talking with Brewster Kale, who is the creator of the Internet Archive and a number of other companies. When we get back, we'll talk more about where Silicon Valley and technology is going. For companies to succeed today, they need builders, and builders need tools that allow them to innovate. The problem is most cloud vendors don't offer the range of tools builders are looking for. Amazon Web Services is the leading cloud service provider giving builders the reliability and security they need. AWS pioneered cloud computing over 10 years ago to help any business from the smallest startups to the biggest global enterprises create their own applications and manage their workloads. By listening to what customers want, AWS is adding more features and services than any other cloud provider while consistently reducing prices. So if you'd rather focus on creating a business instead of an infrastructure, check out podcast.aws. Learn how AWS can help you build a better future today and let builders build. We're here with Brewster Kale of the Internet Archive. Brewster and I have gone way, way back. We're super old, I guess. Um, we met back at AOL in the, in the 90s, in the early 90s, when he sold his company there and then talked to him a lot when he sold his other company to Amazon and since then at the Internet Archive. And the Internet Archive is, is having its 20th anniversary, which means the web is kind of old in a lot yes. of ways. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you were talking about things like the decentralized web and the ability to preserve all kinds of new forms of digital media, which which is where everybody transacts now, pretty much. Yes. Um, I think there was a really interesting study recently at Pew um, that half of all Americans get their news from Facebook. I know, right? You want to just cry. Um, well, it's filtered. It's filtered and it's fake. Some of it, yes. you know, 1% according to Mark Zuckerberg, but that's 1% too much for my tastes. Um, talk a little about where it's going, like how our memories are preserved, where you think we're going from a digital innovation point of view. In this area. We're ever more connected. So mm -hmm. um, I think if you ask younger people sort of what their most valuable possession is or what they what would mm -hmm. they run back into the house in if mm -hmm. there were a fire, it would be their phone. Mm -hmm. um, so we're uh, very connected and very interdependent. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been interesting. We've had a period of, of trust that has gone on where people are trusting putting their their thoughts, mm -hmm. their everything, everything online mm -hmm. and making a lot of it very public. Mm -hmm. And if it's not completely public, it's public to these large corporations. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had this trusting 
mm-hmm. period. And I sure hope that this continues because mm-hmm. there's um, even before uh, some of the political changes, there were corporate changes where there are these large platform companies that controlled and exerted a certain level of, of ownership mm-hmm. over the the sharing that we've done mm-hmm. or who we're connected to, what we're talking about, what we buy, mm-hmm. um, what we're reading. Um, so all of those uh, have been put in place of large corporations and people are having some struggles with this, right. um, with this new administration that has been openly um, saying that net neutrality is not something they, they mm-hmm. uh, are, are um, in favor of. Um, journalisms are hated and, mm-hmm. um, I guess jokingly, uh, were threatened with being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, they were we've joking. Got, I sure hope they're joking. Um, and so we have a real change in mm-hmm. what's going on. So we have at least a, a fire drill mm-hmm. um, to go and say, what kind of world do we want to live in, in a world that's got a lot of different points of view going on? Um, also, a development in the last 20 years is, is the Chinese firewall. Mm-hmm. So there's a different world that you see inside China um, of what the world looks like because mm-hmm. it's filtered mm-hmm. by their government. Um, things blink on and off. I think uh, the Internet Archive is now blocked in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that guy, Jesus. So it's uh, we're seeing a, a shift. The the It's not fun and games anymore, mm-hmm. I guess, would be the way to look at it. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, isn't this a cool new widget? Mm-hmm. It's how we uh, understand our, our world. It's how we interact with each other, and it's all quite controllable. So it's always been controllable, but it has been a freewheeling thing until recently, I think. And, you know, you see things like that happen in China, in Turkey, obviously. Many, many of the authoritarian governments understand how powerful this information is and the access to information is for people and want to limit it, um, especially negative information or critical information about the regimes, um, which they deem inaccurate, even if it's accurate. Um, how do you, U.S. has been at the forefront of not being like that, where although it's the spying by the NSA has disturbed everyone, it's been relatively freewheeling um, in terms of what's available and what people can access and say. Um, do you see that changing? How do you, and what does that mean? It can change. Um, a lot of what's built the World Wide Web um, and the open information infrastructure that we understand is just actually embedded in a few laws. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, that basically make it so that there could be user-originated uh, content mm-hmm. that could be then hosted um, on other companies' websites without mm-hmm. having them have um, uh, liability. Um, and as long as, hey, if it were a copyright infringement, if they mm-hmm. took it down quickly, then right. that was good enough. Um, those laws are all quite changeable mm-hmm. and they're not universal. The United States, as you point out, has been actually freer than than most in terms of offering access to information. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be this way. Right. Uh, Openness is not the default. Right. Um, it's in terms of how, if you look back in time, or even uh, or around the world in space. Um, so we need to show why openness works better. Mm-hmm. That you end up with companies that thrive better. Right. Right. That you have uh, with standards, you have um, more competition that builds more jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, that openness is is a win. Um, well, that's a reasonable argument, Brister. I mean, a lot of the, th- the control of information or uh, the flooding of information with false information or slightly skewed information. Um, you know, I think we've gotten into a situation where, I mean, just this recent controversy on Facebook fake news. How do you look at that? Like, their, Facebook's argument is, hey, we're a platform. We're not responsible. I think they're fully responsible for a lot of that. And it does. Ha- and then, oh, it doesn't have impact. Well, of course it has impact. And, you know, and then it becomes a this is their point of view. This is your point of view when actually there is a reality of what happens. These enormous players have absolute um, uh, roles and responsibilities on how things work. I mean, the medium is the message. I mean, we are living in Marshall McLuhan mm-hmm. land where the uh, the medium forms how we think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way the web is coded determines a lot of how we live our lives right. online. And it's now not just the web; it's how Facebook is coded, how Google is coded, mm-hmm. and, and who codes it, and who codes it, who controls this, mm-hmm. um, and can we make multiple of these? I guess theoretically we can, mm-hmm. but winner takes all is such an important 
thing in this networked world. It's not important. It, it seems to happen so often mm -hmm. because one player gets a bit of a lead. Mm -hmm. They make some more money that allows them to continue the R&D much more quickly mm -hmm. and you lose out. So the Yahoo's disappear mm -hmm. um, or effectively disappear. And now there's kind of, there's Bing and there's Google. Um, mm -hmm. and, and really there's just Google. And really there's just Google mm -hmm. um, or there's just Facebook or mm -hmm. there's just Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, so we have some challenges. Mm -hmm. The wonder is that, you know, this technology is very available. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, pretty startling how good it actually is at answering right. questions. Right. Um, yet its uh, ability to control what we think is absolute. So what should these companies do? Do they, I mean, their go-to thing is it's a platform. We're not responsible. I'm responsible as a media person if I get something wrong, but they're not responsible. What do you think? You were saying they do have responsibilities, but what are the responsibilities that you think should be, that they should either take up or be put upon them? Well, we used to have antitrust laws in mm -hmm. the United States that had teeth mm -hmm. um, to try to stop monopolies from happening, mm -hmm. not just um, make it so that consumers mm -hmm. are, you know, have cheaper products, right. but actually that there was competition, that we made it so that there wasn't uh, lock-in. That's large part gone in this country. Mm -hmm. um, so that looking for that is, is, is challenging. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I... Um, I find some of the open systems to be some of the most interesting things going on. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting when Linux mm -hmm. can go and be an operating system that competes with the very biggest companies, mm -hmm. such that IBM is now supporting and uh, moved over to Linux. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, that the open world can work. Um, it does require a large amount of investment of time and effort and tolerance. Because mm -hmm. I mean, like, sometimes the open systems don't work as well. Right. Um, but maybe we should be spending more time and effort within academia, mm -hmm. uh, within government, um, uh, to within our general lives to go and invest in things that aren't going to end up putting us in a cage that we're going to regret later. Mm -hmm. Is that a bit of a yeah. plea and a cry? Right. Yes, it is. Right. Um, but Wikipedia is the number five most popular website of mm -hmm. all websites. Mm -hmm. That's pretty stunning mm -hmm. that's a uh, for the good for the good world um eff is probably the most influential ip law firm mm -hmm. in the silicon valley yet they give away all of their um Tenses. their their times mm -hmm. so can you make it possible for this open world the the free world as richard stallman would put it um works and the answer is yes mm -hmm. that these but who backs that who why would mark zuckerberg pay for that for example or why would larry page pay for that the only person I, for example i've heard talking about open ai of significance is elon musk the rest of them present ai as a happy shiny future where everything will be delivered to us correctly by smarter machines he's worried about it for example and i know you know a lot of tech people like they don't worry about it don't but to me, when a very small group of people are designing AI right now, and it's typically white men, and they're programming it, you have to wonder where who is going to control the rest of it, or who gets other control. Well, my my schooling was at in the AI lab with mm -hmm. Danny Hillis right. and Marvin Minsky, and uh, yeah, we, those were heady days of the '80s. When mm -hmm. We knew we were basically bringing up our new overlords. <laughs> And if you're going to bring up your new overlords, then have them read good books. <laughs> and what I think we got wrong back then mm -hmm. is we sort of thought of it more like the Terminator. Sure. Where there's sort of Skynet where it, it separates off and then comes back and battles us. Mm -hmm. But actually, I think it's much more of a blur between mm -hmm. people and computers mm -hmm. and the networks. Right. Um, I, okay, here, here, let me go off, sure, uh, off the rails just mm -hmm. for a minute. When I really thought about sort of what if we want to understand what AIs are going to look like? Mm -hmm. I think the proto AI that we have are corporations. Mm -hmm. Corporations are these sort of funny little beasts. Mm -hmm. They're not small. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess they're not little beasts, but they are strange. Um, it takes special training to have humans be able to fit within them. They're made out of humans mostly, but they're more and more being built out of computers. Mm -hmm. So, and they're controlled by not very many people, and more and more the emphasis on computers. Um, so corporations are interesting as a way of trying to understand how AIs will think mm -hmm. um, because they operate under very simple rules like 
make more money mm-hmm. and who cares about blank, 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 blank. Right. Um, and that sort of simplified world is likely to be what we see for the first, I don't know, now we're sort of in the era of AI for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we may see um, very simplified goal structures very powerfully put in place by leverage, by being embedded as corporate entities mm-hmm. or maybe as militaries. Mm-hmm. So militaries also have very simple uh, success metrics mm-hmm. and they'll be basically machines as quickly as they can make them. Right, exactly. And so what does that mean? Who has the responsibility? Should there be an open AI so we all have those AI structures? Elon talked about attaching neural networks to our own heads to be smart like them. Where do you see it going? I guess I wake up on uh, two sides of the bed, you know, sometimes sort of thinking it's, <laughs> uh, we will be in a zoo mm-hmm. soon. And mm-hmm. it, there's a, he it's kind of an house in- cats. He said, they'll treat us like house cats. Yeah. There's a question I actually, I, I haven't really got a good answer mm-hmm. for, which is if you wake up in the morning, how do you know if you're in a zoo? Mm-hmm. How do we know? Mm-hmm. And this sort of the question, well, okay, are we there now? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Mm-hmm. But how do you know when we've tripped over into something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, we're building these very, very powerful machines. Um, I don't see it slowing down. No. Um, there can, and machines, technology is really the extension of the arms of humans. Mm-hmm. So it makes it so that people can do more. Mm-hmm. But that usually means that a few people can do a lot more. Mm-hmm. And there are most people won't be able to do much so more. Let's finish up talking about that because this election sort of brings that back. A lot of the anger that Trump um, tapped into was manufacturing people who lost their jobs, people that aren't trained for the future. But really, a lot of this future that is not coming back, and actually, it's going to get worse for everybody else. You know, ever more people are going to have their jobs replaced. And you want to talk about manufacturing? Let's move into office stuff. Let's move into stuff that we didn't think could be replaced easily. Um, what how, what does that set us up for as a society? We don't have enough people trained as entrepreneurs. We don't have enough people that know how to do what needs to be done. Or do we even need the people? You know, you get to that point where is, is there even a necessity for that many people to have jobs? Uh, the nature of jobs just seems to already be changing. I mean, mm-hmm. you just look around and just, mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us are really farming food anymore? Mm-hmm. So that's all been yeah. mechanized, mm-hmm. um, at least in, mm-hmm. say, the United States. Or how many people are manufacturing things in the United States? That's not happening very yeah. much anymore. Um, and uh, driverless cars, da, 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 right? So uh, the nature of, of work looks like it's irrevocably um changing. Um, so what are we going to do? We do need a mechanism of having it so that people have a minimum standard of living. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people will revolt. Mm-hmm. If you have a, uh, historically, if you have just too high of a income disparity, um, people are driven out in a way, um, in a way that is usually quite it doesn't end well. No. You need a mechanism of, of whether it's the, the Hebrews had a mechanism of jubilee. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Babylonians had it as wiping the slate clean. And mm-hmm. it was quite literally, all debts were written down. Mm-hmm. And so you just wipe them clean when there was a new monarch. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have some mechanism of equalizing. Mm-hmm. Um, is technology going to do it? Um, it really depends on who's building it and for mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. Um, we could end up in a sort of entertainment paradise if everybody sort of straps on VR and sort of takes their new legalized drug um, mm-hmm. of choice and sort of blinks out. Um, but wow, what a nasty world that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I really kind of like the uh, the American project, mm-hmm. the experiment of, hey, let's go try out a bunch of different things and allow people mm-hmm. to build things that they would like to have built. Why don't we enable and empower more people in that well, in that way. Fortunately, the technologies can work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need people to think ethically. Um, as um, Larry Lessig put it, some rights reserved. Mm-hmm. So even though you could assert more power over people, you might be able to do something more. Don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alexa Internet, a uh, personal example. Mm-hmm. Alexa Internet was trying to understand the web by archiving all of it. Mm-hmm. We also archived how people moved around on the web, mm-hmm. but we anonymized it so we couldn't figure out right. who was who. And we found we didn't need IP addresses. The IP addresses, which are one per computer, right. is 
too much information. Mm -hmm. Even though we could collect it, we decided not to. Mm -hmm. And it turned out it never hurt us. Right. I hope that more and more people that are in these companies go and say, you know, maybe we don't need those IP addresses. Maybe that's toxic waste. Mm -hmm. It's just something that if we don't collect it in the first place, we're pulling back from, well, maybe we'll use we it can. later because we can and moves into because we should. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got a short time frame, a sort of an alarm bell going mm -hmm. off because we don't know how um, things are going to change, um, what's going to happen in the new, new administration. And if it's not this administration, maybe it's the next one after that. Mm -hmm. But maybe we can use this as our, um, our time in the tech community um, to look at ourselves and say, what does it really mean to be a good citizen and being a good citizen participating in the corporate world? Do you think we will? Some and some. <laughs> on that note, I do not think so, Brewster, but I like that you do. I like the hopefulness. I'm less hopeful um, because because we can is something I think they do They because they can. It's sort of like that with everything that destroys societies. The, uh, one of the antidotes, I think, towards mm -hmm. some of the toxic nature that we've built up mm -hmm. in some of our, especially tech companies. Mm -hmm. um, we used to, um, we turned to unions mm -hmm. for a while and that yeah. um, has largely been hollowed out and antitrust was mm -hmm. sort of, was very difficult to put in place, but was torn down uh, during the 80s um, and re remade mm -hmm. uh, into something else. It's actually kind of like the open uh, source world mm -hmm. and the companion organizations, which are nonprofits. Right. The nonprofits in the United States, I think, are one of the best inventions the United States has ever made. Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of like secular churches. Mm -hmm. they, um, they're there for the public good. They get a tax donation. But there are certain things that you have to do. You have to be mission-oriented. Mm -hmm. Your tax filings are all public on GuideStar. Even if you're small, you know what mm -hmm. basically all the top people are paid. Um, and you have to be there for a public good. And where I think this the, the 501c3 structure can be torn apart, and it looks like it is in the process of that by political mm -hmm. abuse of it as a laundering money laundering system, mm -hmm. um, I think we could build a... Um, declarations of how a certain new kind of organization works, how transparent it is, that it gives things away, um, that can be very successful and spread from country to country. I think that that idea, because we've seen open source software work well, mm -hmm. we've seen Wikipedia, Mozilla, Internet Archive, Electronic Frontier Foundation, Public Library of Science, these are infrastructure type companies but they're not for profits. Right. Is there a mechanism of building a new generation of organization that doesn't have at its core a because you can um, destroy as much as you can, grow or die, you know, rip people to shreds because, you know, you're allowed to, therefore you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there's something more we can grow into. Well, Brewster, on that note, I love 20 years later, you're still as hopeful as ever, which is nice. Thank you, Cara. Brewster, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming by. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with White House's chief data scientist, DJ Patel, Mr. Robot creator Sam Ismail, and investor Aileen Lee, just to name a few. All of those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts? Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host Two Embarrassed Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes this show. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. We'll be back with another great guest at our normal time this Monday. Tune in then.